Way back in episode 23, we shared with you seven books that we loved that have helped us in our creative businesses. If you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and give it a listen. This week, we have another six books on mindset that we think will make a difference for you like they did for us. Hi, this is Laura Lee Griffin. And this is Nikki May with the Stardust Society, inspiring you to stop getting in your own way and start building an art biz and life that you love. We are artists who believe strongly in the power of community, accountability, following your intuition, taking small, actionable steps, and breaking down the barriers of fear and procrastination that keep you stuck. Follow along with us on our creative business journey as we encourage you on yours. We've spoken a lot about what book and art supply and online course hoarders we are, but just to prove that we actually read some of the books that we compulsively buy, we're here to share some of our favorite mindset-related books this week. We'll share a few books that we've both read and loved, and we've also each chosen some personal faves to share with each other and with all of you. Okay, Laura, let's start with one that we both got a lot out of. Okay. Book number one is, drumroll, Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. Now, I am a huge fan of Eat, Pray, Love. And yes, I've even been to Bali and been to the medicine woman from the book. Of course (laughs) you have. But maybe that's a story for another day. Um, (laughs) I have met Liz and heard her talk live four times so far. Of course you have. (laughs) And I pretty much love everything that she writes, but this book is a must-have for any creative entrepreneur. It's essentially a manual for creative living with courage. Yeah, and I love the way that she talks about fear. She kind of gives us permission not to feel like we're conquering fear or getting Mm -hmm. past it, but that your passions and fears can coexist. Mm -hmm. Fear just needs to ride in the back seat and not be close enough to grab the steering wheel. (laughs) Well, it's feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. And I also love how she gives us permission to grow our businesses slowly while working a day job to support ourselves on the side to help take that pressure off and really enjoy the process of building your creative business. Yeah, totally. You don't necessarily have to force your art to pay the bills. I mean, it would be great if it could. I think that's kind of what we're all striving towards, but Really, you aren't any less of an artist if you pay the bills with a day job and create the art that you want to create on the side. Right. And you can grow it over time to the point where you can get to that place. The other thing that I loved is that she addresses the whole idea of people thinking they have to have figured out their one big passion in their life and have like 100 percent clarity about that. You hear a lot of entrepreneurs telling people that if they just follow their passion, everything else will fall into place. <laughs> right. And and not everybody knows what they want to be when they grow up, right? And I love that she reframes this idea of passion and instead says to follow your curiosity and see where it leads. Yes. And that following your curiosity reminds me of a quote from the book where she says, you can measure your worth by your dedication to your path not by your successes or failures. So Mm -hmm. just follow that curiosity and the path will become more clear. So true. She also calls me out on my perfectionist tendencies in this book. (laughs) (laughs) I love the quote, perfectionism is just fear in fancy shoes and a mink coat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. 
So on to our second book that we've both enjoyed. Mm -hmm. This one is Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived, Joyful Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. Yeah, it actually started out as a course at Stanford and became the most popular course there. They now have a life design lab at the university, and it teaches courses, delivers programs and tools, and conducts research applying the innovation principles of design thinking to all different areas of life. One story I remember from the book is of a girl who wanted to own a cafe. So so she goes out and she buys one and then very quickly realizes she absolutely hates all the practicalities that come along with owning a cafe. <laughs> she realizes that she actually just likes sitting in cafes and working and eating in them, not actually owning them. Not owning them, not making the coffee, not roasting the <laughs> coffee, not cleaning up after the coffee. <laughs> yes, not serving the coffee, all the things, yes. Right. She just realized that she liked sitting in cafes and it was a huge costly mistake. And the book teaches you how to incrementally work your way towards your goals to create the life that you love. Um, it uses mind maps and other creative exercises to identify the things that bring you the most energy and joy and work your way towards a career that encompasses all of those things. Yeah, it has some great ideas for very impulsive people like me who get an idea and just <laughs> want to dive all the way in. <laughs> it helps you think about ways to try out that new life that you think you might want. Basically, mm -hmm. it's like when you're developing a product, you create a prototype of the life you want. For example, right. when I decided I wanted to sell my house and live and travel with my dog and cat in a school bus... <laughs> Before I did anything, I took a road trip from Kentucky to Texas with my dog to see how he would do with life on the road. And he was surprisingly good. Yay, Rocket. <laughs> yeah. And then on my next trip, I booked an Airbnb in a schoolie and I spent three days and nights mostly just living my life in it. Smart. Preparing meals, working, just feeling what it would be like to live that life. So... If you're thinking about a big change, whether it's personal or your job, think about small ways you can try on that life before you go all in and see if you really want to own a cafe or if you just want to sit in one and read a book while sipping coffee someone else made. <laughs> if you want to learn about this concept in other ways without the Stanford price tag, you can also listen to the audiobook, purchase the online workshop they have on Creative Live, which we'll link to in the show notes. And there's also a corresponding workbook, which I own, that takes you through the mind maps and various exercises talked about throughout the book. And we know I love any book that comes with a corresponding workbook. <laughs> not, of course, so I can fill them in and learn from them, but so I can put them on a bookshelf and beat myself up about not doing it. <laughs> or so I can take it on a trip with me, telling myself I'll do it in my free time. And then, of course, it doesn't even come out of the suitcase. <laughs> Why do I feel so seen right now? <laughs> because I'm looking right at you, Laura. <laughs> so another thing that I really like in the book is the way they talk about the dysfunctional beliefs that we have and how we can reframe them into something that is more positive. For example, mm -hmm. happiness is having it all. And you're never going to feel great about that because you're never going to have it all. A reframe mm -hmm. that works for that is... Happiness is letting go of what you don't need. Right. And um, another dysfunctional belief is if you're successful, you'll be happy. 
Mm-hmm. And that puts a lot of pressure on you to feel successful, whatever that might mean. Right. And a reframe of that could be true happiness comes from designing a life that works for you. Mm-hmm. So another thing the book talks about is trying to solve gravity problems. Basically, you can't solve for gravity. Gravity exists whether you want it to or not. So basically, there are problems that just are. They aren't things you can solve. And to reframe them so that you can make it into something actionable. So for example, a gravity problem might be you need a day job (laughs) and you might think that you hate that job that you currently have. Um, But what you can do is find out what drains your energy and what builds your energy up each day. You can track that and take the things that bring you more energy and actually inject more of those into your day and then find ways to minimize the things that really drain your energy. So maybe that's something like email and you could batch that together and maybe create autoresponders and systems that limit the amount of time you spend on those things. Yeah, the point is to not see everything as all or nothing. You know, it's really easy to go, I hate my job, I hate my life, I hate this. Um, But really, if you take a look at things and reframe them into Mm -hmm. looking at what you can't change and then looking at what you actually can, because there's usually there's usually a lot of gray area in between that black and white. Right, right. All right. So the next book that we both read and enjoyed was called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Yeah, I love this book. Um, Untamed is another book that has an accompanying workbook. This one's actually a journal called Get Untamed, How to Quit Pleasing and Start Living, which, of Mm -hmm. course, I bought and haven't written in yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think Untamed is sort of a feminist manifesto. It's redefining what is possible for women and the roles that we play. Yeah, it's it's a memoir about Glennon's life, marriage, parenting, eating disorder, alcoholism and her subsequent recovery and then her divorce and the story of meeting and falling in love with her wife. All the things, all the things. But the main message of the book is about how girls and women are caged or tamed by societal pressure and internalized misogyny. We grow up with all these ideas about how we should behave, how we should live our lives, how we should do everything. Yes, we're often trained at a younger age by society to see our value based on what we do for others and fitting into a certain societal norm. Yeah. And so in telling her own story about breaking out of these external expectations, she shows us how we can do that for ourselves. And there are a lot of great quotes in the book that demonstrate some of those ideas. So, for example, one that really spoke to me is, This life is mine alone, so I've stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. Unless you're Nikki in a bus and are in a new town. Oh, yeah. I'm still not going to ask people (laughs) for directions. I'm still going to go my own way. (laughs) Okay. And I love this one. When a woman finally learns that pleasing the world is impossible, she becomes free to learn how to please herself. Too many jokes. I knew you were going to go there, Nikki. (laughs) I have to go there. So another one is, um, there is no one way to live, love, raise children, arrange a family, run a school, a community, a nation. The norms were created by somebody, and each of us is somebody. We can make our own normal. Amen. And so often we're told to ignore our emotions or suppress them 
And she says, if you're uncomfortable, in deep pain, angry, yearning, confused, you don't have a problem. You have a life. (laughs) I love that. That's a great one to leave this book on. So let's move on to a book that you've read, but it's been on my Amazon wish list for years that I surprisingly haven't purchased yet. (laughs) Okay, I was recently gifted Feck Perfection by James Victory. Nikki, can you say that three times fast? Feck Perfunction, Feck Perfunction, Feck Perfunction. I did it. I didn't even say fuck one time. (laughs) So what I love about this book is it's a super quick read. It has little essays on each page all about creative living. There's a whole chapter related to just getting started, which, of course, is what we're all about. Right. And so I thought I'd read an excerpt from that chapter. It says, I've got no idea what I'm doing. I never have. Nobody is ever ready to begin. We want a few practice rounds. Not for realsies, just a warm-up to get started. Bad news, you'll never be ready. You'll never be fully prepared, and the conditions will never be perfect. You'll never have all your pencils lined up or all of your ducks in a row. Uh, Laura, you will always have your Copic markers lined up. (laughs) (laughs) I will, but... But not your ducks. (laughs) My ducks aren't in a row. (laughs) You'll always feel uncertain about what you're doing or what the final outcome will be. You just have to start. Waiting until you're ready is a form of self-sabotage, a good excuse to quit while you're behind. Experience is great and practice has its place, but boldness makes way for action. How awesome is that quote? Yeah, that pretty much sums up everything that we're all about. Now I want to read the book even more. (laughs) All right, what's next, Laura? All right. The second book I wanted to tell you about is called The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur by Christine Kane, an unconventional success plan for the highly creative, secretly sensitive and wildly ambitious. Now, I've known Christine for about 14 years. I attended a couple of her women's retreats in Asheville, North Carolina, way back when she was still releasing albums as a musician and dipping her toe into the water of entrepreneurship. She's since built an amazing empire, primarily for female entrepreneurs, helping them up-level their businesses. She also has an awesome Soul Source podcast, so if you've never checked that out, it's totally worth the listen. And don't be fooled, the name of the book doesn't mean it is all about spirituality. It gives so much practical and helpful information on creating an authentic business that, that grows organically and is in alignment with your true self. I love Christine's writing, and I know you will too. And she also was the first person I learned about the word of the year from. And um, we had a whole episode on that that you can listen to as well. But I love that she is a multi-passionate individual that has been able to transition from a music career to a seven-figure business career so successfully. Awesome. Now, the book covers things like honoring your authenticity, uncovering the traps that keep you stuck looking at behavioral patterns that hold you back, identifying what drains your energy and power, ditching all those old stories and finding opportunities that are hidden within the challenges, and breaking free from fear-based decision-making so that you can make intention-based decisions with profound clarity. So it's an awesome read, highly recommend. And there's also an audiobook that you can get for that one. We could all use some clarity here and there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I need to reread that one, actually. Yeah. All right, Nikki. So tell me what your pick is. Okay. So um, because I, when I started preparing for this, I went nuts with 
talking about this book, I've decided to just dedicate my two to one. (laughs) And (laughs) the book that I've chosen is called The Art of Asking or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Let People Help by Amanda Palmer. Awesome. I mentioned this book back in episode five when we talked about choosing a word of the year, but it's really one of my favorite books. And it's all about the mindset of asking for help. Mm -hmm. Aside from the fact that Amanda Palmer is one of my favorite musicians and people on the planet, she wrote this amazing Mm -hmm. book that started as a TED Talk. uh, And we'll definitely link to that. I highly recommend listening to it. Okay. It's all about how she developed her unique way of living and running her creative business through asking for help, sharing freely and connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, as a songwriter, she's a great storyteller and she uses her personal stories to show how she's crafted a beautiful, successful, completely non-traditional life and business. Yeah. Her first real professional experience with asking was when she worked as a living statue called the Eight Foot Bride in Harvard Square. She dressed <laughs> as a character that made a silent connection with an individual. She made eye contact and handed them a flower. Mm. Um, She had a donation box out in exchange. And it was interesting that some people were happy to give her money, but not to accept the flower in return. Mm. Um, She learned that asking is collaborative. Both sides have to be open to giving and receiving, and both can get something out of the exchange. It's, It's a reciprocal act. And that's so true because I I love giving to other people mm-hmm. and I love it when they accept it and that they get joy out of whatever I've given them. So I, I totally get that. So how are you at accepting something in return? Oh, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm totally horrible at it, but I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually working, actively working on it. Yeah. Well, if you if you take the mindset that the person that is giving something to you gets something out of the giving. Mm hmm then maybe that will help you receive. Yes. So anyway, so she took this idea to every aspect of her life and her musical career. She basically crowdsourced everything before it was an acceptable thing that people were doing. She asked her fans for a couch to sleep on when traveling to perform shows. Um, And to this day, she asks for help with song lyrics through her private community and on Twitter. She's really built a community and formed true reciprocal relationships with her fans. Mm -hmm. She went all in on it with a Kickstarter campaign to launch her first solo album. Cool. She asked for $100,000 and shocked the world when she raised over $1.2 million. Wow. In exchange for copies of the album, private concerts, house parties. She gives so much of herself, her stories, her music. Glimpses into her personal life, the good, the bad, the ugly, that her fans are thrilled to support her in return. And after the hugely successful Kickstarter, she next took it to Patreon and has been supporting her entire music career that way. Cool. It's her only way of making a living. For example, I pay her $3 per thing that she puts out. And a thing could be a song, a video, or it could be an entire album. But the Mm -hmm. point is, she gets everything she needs to run her business, career, and life by asking for it. Yeah. And in return, she gives everything freely to those who give to her. She shares her stories, her music, her life. Okay, so clearly you're fangirling. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on for freaking ever. Amanda Palmer, Nikki loves you. <laughs> I love you. 
(laughs) But my question to you is this. Have you actually applied this to your own life at all? And how? I mean, do you ask for help? Because I know I'm really crappy at it. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably one of the main reasons I'm so in awe of her, aside from loving her music. Historically, I've been terrible at asking for help. I generally Mm -hmm. feel like I need to know how to do everything myself or how to learn it on my own. Right. But since doing this whole school bus thing, I've found myself in over my head a bit and I have been asking for help and people seem happy to give it. Well, I'm happy to help you until you ask me to fix your engine. And I sorry, I have no idea how to do that and you'd be in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to say, in the past three days, I've learned how to change the batteries, put in antifreeze and all sorts of things I never imagined doing. (laughs) Anyway, back to the book. (laughs) One quote, I think, sums it up really well. She says, From what I've seen, it isn't so much the act of asking that paralyzes us. It's what lies beneath the fear of being vulnerable, the fear of rejection, the fear of looking needy or weak, Mm -hmm. the fear of being seen as a burdensome member of the community instead of a productive one. It points fundamentally to our separation from one another. Wow. And as as I've learned recently when asking for help, it actually does help form deeper connections. Yeah, it does. Um, and we we don't always realize that. I, again, we let the, the fear of rejection, the fear of looking needy get in the way. Um, and we forget the fact that we love it when we give to other people and they accept it. It makes us feel good. So we need to realize we're doing that service for other people. For sure. You know, just maybe not go to the same person every 30 seconds asking them the same question. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's asking them for more bourbon. exactly (laughs) for links to all the books we mentioned and to read today's stardust society show notes go to stardustsociety.com slash mindset books if you've enjoyed today's episode we'd love for you to share it with a friend and leave us a five-star rating and review reviews help us reach more stardusts like you and keep us inspired to create new episodes Speaking of reviews, we thought we'd share one from Apple Podcasts from Kitty Leah of Finland. Instant favorite, relatable, funny, full of good content and guests, listening since the very beginning and love it. If you're a creative or an artist, this is a must listen. Thanks, Kitty. We're so glad to hear you've been with us from the beginning and are loving it. On that note, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.